Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for Crypto Q&A, a follow-up to Crypto Over Coffee every single week. And remember, if you want one of your questions answered, please leave them in the YouTube comments, tweet me at Hashoshi4, or you know what? You can send it to me through Spotify polls. If you're on the podcast platforms and you listen on Spotify, there's often going to be a poll there where you can submit your questions in free text format. So thank you very much to all of you who submitted questions. I picked a few to feature on the show today. And reminder, if you want to be featured on the show, again, make sure you leave your questions in any of the aforementioned areas. So let's go ahead and get started with the first one here, which is from JW Hodeland or Hodeland. I've got a question. How do we kill tribalism in crypto? And this is a topic that I'm actually really passionate about. I think that one of the worst things that has ever happened to the cryptocurrency space is not the heterogeneity of crypto and how many people have invented things, but it's the culture that has evolved by tying uh, economic incentives or wealth to a community, I mean, tying wealth to a blockchain. It makes people tribal it makes people um maybe less objective about what it is that they're looking at because they have a financial interest in it and that's implicit people do the same thing with products and companies and all sorts of other things especially if you own stock for example but the reality is is that there's no reason for tribalism to exist in crypto at all and the reason i say that is because if you really strip it all back and you strip back design decisions on protocol, you strip back marketing, you strip back token price, the goal, the reason that a lot of these organizations exist is to advance decentralized technologies. It's to solve problems that exist in the community today. And the fact of the matter is, especially if you look at you know the competition between layer one blockchains, there's no reason why there should only be one or two layer one blockchains that exist. There will likely be very regional, very... Uh, mixed and non-homogenous types of blockchains. There will be specialization where one blockchain will be better for some things and another will be better for others and you have deep interoperability between them. So I don't really understand why people are um, continuing to perpetuate this idea that it's a zero-sum game in terms of the layer one blockchain you use or the oracle that you use because quite frankly it's more likely that many of these are successful this market's very small now but in the future if we start to see that mass adoption that we've been working towards and that maturity that we've been working towards then there'll be a lot more room for multiple layer one blockchains multiple layer twos for each of those layer one blockchains like little moons orbiting around the the planet and then you'll also have all these utilities like Chainlink or push protocol uh, who i invested in by the way just for transparency a push protocol that is but there, there's so many examples of this and so the way that we actually get rid of tribalism is we focus on education it's the reason why on this channel that's a big focus of mine is to say like i'm an ethereum fan and i'm heavily invested in ethereum but i also like cardano i also like algorand i also like uh, a lot of interoperability protocols so i don't just pick individual things and then close my mind to everything else because there's so much change there's so much interesting there's so many interesting things going on and so the way you get rid of tribalism is you try and get people to emulate that approach to realize that the same goals are shared amongst a lot of projects in this area you know algorand and cardano for example have a lot of the same ethos they have different made some different design decisions but there's no reason why those two protocols should be at each other's throats. There's no reason. So education's a big part of it, but also just a shift in focus. I hope in the future people start to extract 
the important elements of this, which is the impact of the technology away from the token price, which is the reason why there's so much tribalism. It's if my blockchain is not the most adopted, then I'm not going to be as rich and I'm not happy about that. So that's the issue, I think, that needs to be gotten rid of. Thank you for your question. The next one is from Trade in Crypto. Do things in the macro likely get much worse before they get better? And so this is talking about macroeconomics. And I've been talking about this a fair bit more on my channel. I think I'm going to actually share more videos specifically about the economy because I've been studying this stuff for a while. And what I'll say is, is that like any economist should say in, in general and very few actual economists, and listen, I'm not an economist, okay? I'm not pretending to be, and I don't play one online. But you will not find many economists saying, we don't know what's going to happen. They're making projections. They're always making predictions. And they're very seldom right. They're like weathermen or weatherwomen. The reality of, of it is, we don't know exactly what's going to happen on a macroeconomic level. We have issues with inflation and issues with um, supply chains and energy crises in, in Europe, in the UK, in the United States as well. And so the reality of it is that it's very likely the macroeconomic conditions, uh, i.e. hiking rates, i.e. Uh, tapering balance sheet, lots of different things that are going on right now are going to continue until we can get a handle on some of these things. Um, you know, specifically to the United States, that's where the majority of my viewers are. Um, in the United States, it's really unclear when the Federal Reserve is going to be able to hit their target of 2% inflation by, by the general numbers. We're nowhere close to that now. I think the last read, the last print for CPI was 8.3%, way too high. And it's not showing the type of response to rate hikes that they thought it might. And anyone who's been around and has been preaching against printing tons and tons of money, like a lot of us have, I know I've talked about it on the channel. I know I see it in the comments a lot. People knew this was going to happen. And so a lot of people are angry because they realize we could have avoided this. Um, and so this is something where we made our bed. Now we have to lay in it. And I know that we as individuals do not make these decisions, but we're the ones who are going to be affected by it. My gut tells me that the macro is likely to get worse before it gets better. But, you know, you really just can never predict how this stuff is going to go it really can take an unpredictable turn. And so what I would say is you should be protecting yourself as much as you can in all markets. And that's why I always preach risk management because right now, the most important thing is protecting yourself and your family from, from as much of this as you can. And not everyone has that wherewithal and it's really tough, but that's my perspective. It's hard to predict, but I'm gonna make more content about this and we'll maybe dive into individual sectors, uh, real estate, equities markets, crypto markets, overarching macroeconomic conditions. So more on that to come. Thanks for your question. What do you think will be the mainstream crypto adoption catalyst? Do you think it'll be DeFi, gaming, payments? Uh, and then it trails off. And this is from Bruma Crypto. So here's what I think. I think that the mainstream driver of adoption is going to be two things. One, it's going to be a lot of use cases, but it's going to be abstraction. And what, what do I mean by abstraction? I mean, it's going to be the moment where your mom, who might be, you know, in her 40s, 50s, 60s, maybe even older, can go on a web application through her standard browser or on her smartphone 
And she can be interacting with DeFi protocols without knowing anything about what's going on behind the scenes, without knowing the word blockchain, without knowing the word DeFi, and without really understanding what's going on behind the scenes, but maybe earning yield on a US, US dollar denominated cryptocurrency. When you know, your Uncle Phil is able to get a crypto wallet and not lose the crypto because he accidentally got fished or he uh, gave up his seed phrase to somebody or he lost his seed phrase and then got a new phone, moved from his iPhone 8 to an iPhone 14 and then lost the, all of the, the wallets because he didn't back up the seed phrases. When it becomes easy for everyone to get into this space and to use these protocols and platforms and tools without knowing or having to worry about what's going on behind the scenes, just like the old days of the internet, that's when we reach mass adoption. What do we need to do that? We need builders to continue building on these abstractions. We need wallet technology to advance way beyond what it is right now. There are not great solutions for wallets yet. But I think the biggest thing, if I had to pick one of these things that you listed, I would say gaming is probably a likely outcome, but it's not going to be hardcore gamers like it's not going to be the um what is it elden ring or whatever i'm not a huge gamer myself but it, maybe it's going to it's not going to be the hardcore gamers that are all over steam and gamers that play pc games the gamers i'm talking about are casual gamers casual gamers who play smartphone games who play browser-based games maybe a little bit of mmorpg games uh, like the runescapes of the world, those are going to be the things that bridge people in, casual gamers. And because a lot of hardcore gamers hate the idea of NFTs. Uh, and maybe they'll be open to it if it's no longer called an NFT and they don't really realize or think it's an NFT. NFTs get a bad rap in that regard. So gaming is the more likely out of that list, but really what it's going to take is that abstraction so people don't know or have to care about what's going on behind the scenes. There's a lot of complexity in us Web3 crypto native people get it and many people don't now i actually do want to take a moment now to shout out the sponsor of today's show prime xbt prime xbt offers a full set of crypto exchange products for the experienced trader from simple purchase of crypto to high risk high reward margin trading prime xbt also offers trading contests for those who wish to put their skills to the test as experienced traders on the platform and for users who aren't quite ready to dive into the expert level world of crypto trading, Prime XBT also offers a training academy platform where one can learn about various different topics in the world of crypto trading from the very fundamental topics to current state analysis and a whole bunch more, including advanced topics. And I've had uh, Dirk Hartig, a professional trader who leads that educational content on the Prime XBT Academy platform on my show. And he does a great job explaining these topics from basics to more advanced topics. So if you want to check out Prime XBT, you can find the link in the description below to explore all of their offerings, including the Academy. And please note that there may be geographic restrictions that apply and that this is a high risk item. If you, there's a high risk of losses associated with trading cryptocurrency or any other assets of like kind, particularly with leverage. So I want to warn you there, please adhere to strict risk management practices at all times. Thank you very much to Prime XBT. All right, lockdown beards, right on. Although I always had a beard before and after. Uh, what do you think are the biggest challenges for ETH competitors, parentheses, ETH killers? And I've actually completely railed against that whole idea, that term ETH killer, because it's kind of like that old adage. It's like the, the more you focus on the competition, the 
the less you're focused on your business and you inevitably fail, right? So the reality is a lot of, of these layer one blockchains, the instant they stopped focusing on beating Ethereum, they actually started doing a much better job of marketing and building and designing because they're not trying to just design their way around competing with Ethereum. And so the biggest challenges for ETH competitors right now, one, Ethereum still has a an advantage because it it is the origin of the Ethereum virtual machine. It is also accelerating layer two technologies. And so people that were priced out of participation in the Ethereum ecosystem are maybe not as priced out now. And there are EVM equivalent ZK rollups coming right around the corner in ZK Sync 2 and ZK EVM, et cetera, et cetera. You have Arbitrum 1 and Optimism that do optimistic rollups. So scalability alone is not going to win the the market share like it used to be. And there's a big reason why the merge and that whole approach to moving Ethereum to proof of stake and advancing the roadmap a little bit for Ethereum was done that way because originally it was gonna take much longer to move to proof of stake and it was gonna come along with scalability features like sharding and rollups and things like that. They accelerated that and did the merge to accelerate that timeline because layer twos were getting built quicker than they thought. There was this desire to get onto the same page as the Solanas of the world and the uh, Avalanches of the world, the Cardanos of the world, what have you, uh, in terms of having that base layer sorted out. Proof of stake is there, we're good, we can move forward now. For ETH competitors, the way that you are going to win is by niching down, by saying Ethereum on the layer one and on the layer two cannot support these types of use cases, so, but we can, okay? So that's where the reality is, that's where blockchains like Cardano are gonna have an easier time pulling in users. Why? Because Cardano, has much different programming model and much different things are going to be built on Cardano because it has a different accounting layer at the base. It's an extended UTXO model. Smart contracts are totally different. There's different uh, mechanics for interacting with the ledger. There are different design principles around native multi-asset ledger. Wildly different things that are different are gonna attract users and new users that aren't already in the space. Because for me, for example, I'm still always gonna go back home to Ethereum in many cases because that's where I started, that's what I understand, that's where I'm comfortable, I have plenty of assets there. And the reality is I have my wallet infrastructure there and yes, I'll bridge to Polygon or I'll bridge to Avalanche or I'll move to, you know, occasionally maybe to Binance Chain to tinker with some DeFi thing. But most of the time I'm going back home to Ethereum, there's a lot of loyalty there to the brand, to the chain. and. People are not always going to be priced out of Ethereum, and Ethereum is still thought of as the king of DeFi, as the king of NFTs, and there is challenge to that with Solana and others, but it's going to be really tough to unseat it. So these blockchains are going to have to differentiate themselves based on more characteristics than just scalability and copy and pasting Ethereum primitives like Uniswap clones and dumping it onto another chain. You have to innovate, build things that don't exist on Ethereum that might not be able to exist on Ethereum. It's really hard to do if you're an EVM compatible chain because what you can build on Ethereum, you can build there and vice versa. So nuanced argument. I'm not saying that Ethereum is like perfect. It has a lot of issues that need to be fixed, but it's still gonna be tough to unseat it because of how deeply seated it is with its users.
And the last question of the day, this is gonna be a juicy one. Uh, and I didn't deliberately make this one last, but I think it works that way anyway. Uh, this is from Nick Nayef. Should there be, should there be tighter constraints slash punishment on YouTuber and influencers who pump and dump on their viewers? Okay. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's un it's sort of undeniable that one, this happens a lot on every social media. We're talking TikTok, Discord, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, every place where you build a following as a crypto influencer, this is going on amongst your peers. And so I've been around in this space for a while. And when I started this channel, I had zero interest in being an influencer. Still to this day, there are times where I'm like, I'm not even comfortable with the, f the viewership that I have and, and like the size of it. And I'm not even big, right? So the reality is, is that a lot of people know they have an audience that listens to everything they say. And because they know that they have an audience that listens to everything they say, they can manipulate markets, especially with small cryptocurrencies. And so you have these allegations against various YouTubers, and I'm not mentioning one single one or the other. That's not my job. That's law enforcement's job. That's regulators' jobs, whatever. Okay, so I'm not making direct accusations on anyone. That's not what I do. The issue is that now you have in this wild west of a market, people doing unsavory things with their following. You have people mentioning a coin and then immediately selling in large quantity using their audience as exit liquidity. There have been allegations, but it's also hard to argue and say, oh, I didn't do that when there's on-chain activity that says very clearly that someone did do it. Uh, and these things are imprecise. Sometimes it's there's, sub, there's subjectivity to it, um, whatever. But the reality is this happens a lot. And so there should be and there really will be, in my opinion, a reckoning at some point in time where all of this activity is uncovered in a very public domain and that there is enforcement action brought against people who have very clearly done this. And a lot of it's happened on Twitter, frankly, like YouTubers, for sure that that's happened. But Twitter, I've seen it a lot with NFT projects, with crypto projects during the ICO boom. Man, oh man, there was a lot of that. It was like just, just straight up Wild West. And so... Yes, there needs to be punishments. Yes, the community needs to be even more demanding of people who have a following to hold them to an ethical standard, right? And, and it's that simple. So, you know, the way that I look at it is I can invest in a private round, right? And, that, and I've done that in the past. And I'm clear with you about it. The other thing is I will never on this channel tell you to buy any token of any kind at all. And I will always warn you not to buy because I'm talking about it. That's informational in nature. I'm not going to promise you that an altcoin is going to go up because I don't know if it's going to go up. And so if you are very clear about it, you're very transparent about it. And when you talk about something, you have to understand that people are going to go and look at that. They might go and buy it despite your best warnings. And if you do that and you, you know that and you've purchased in a private round and then you've prepared the sell order to dump on your followers, you're just asking for trouble. And whether it's ethical or legal trouble or both, frankly, technically it would be both. Um, it's just not something that anyone should be playing with. So yes, there needs to be tighter constraints and of course, tighter punishments or um, action against people who do this and are found to do it. And so, yeah, that's the bottom line on this one. 
you shouldn't be pumping and dumping on your followers, no matter how big you are, no matter what platform you're on, you gotta be wide open and transparent about what you're investing in, what you're up to, and that you should really just not be calling people to take any action. And that's my, that's the way that I approach things. And some others might not, not agree with that, but that's why I never tell people to buy things. It's why I never tell people to sell things because I don't give financial advice and I don't want anyone to misconstrue and think that I am because I definitely am not. Uh, and when I lose money, most of the time, I know the reality is this was my decision and I feel good because, you know, if I make a mistake, uh, it's not going to be a bunch of people replicating my mistake, hopefully. So you know, whatever. I've rambled on enough about this question. I think that was the last question. Yes, that was the last question. So here's the deal. If you have a question that you want answered, it can be a philosophical question. It can be a technical question. It can be whatever you want about crypto or, you know, about whatever you want. If you have a question, sometimes I pick random ones um, that don't relate to crypto. So yeah, I want to thank you so much for watching this episode of Crypto q and I'm going to keep doing more of these because I really love the opportunity to talk to you and, and sort of speak off the cuff about what's going on and about answering questions in crypto. So again, leave them in the comments on YouTube. Tweet me at Ashoshi4 or leave them in the Spotify free text response poll. And uh, thank you so much. Hope you have a great rest of your weekend. And until next time, cheers.